Anthony's ready, I'll, I'll, I'll give you what I'm going to preach about. Ready? All right. We're preaching today on unforgiveness. You can go ahead and title the podcast Unforgiveness. Um, last week, I preached on the resurrection, right? How many, most of you all were here, I think. Talked about the resurrection. We hit the nail back here. All the things that Christ went through. Got his beard jerked out, punched, uh, beat, stabbed in the side, hung on a cross. All the torture that he went through. Um, we, we preached on the, on the crucifixion of Jesus Christ and what Jesus Christ went through. Not because he owed a debt, though. He didn't die on that cross for his sake. He died on that cross for your sake and for my sake. He didn't owe a debt. It wasn't because he owed a debt. It was because we owed a debt that we couldn't pay. See, the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And who's all? That's everybody. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. It says in Romans 6, 33, I think it is, or 23. For the wages of sin is death. So wages is your pay, right? So for that sin that you're guilty of, what you deserve to be paid is death. But Christ went to the cross and was crucified to pay for that sin for us, right? Just because he loves us. Unmerited favor, the Bible teaches us. Unmerited favor, nothing that you've done, nothing you could possibly do, but just because he loves us. His his undying love. So we can be reconciled with God, to have a relationship with God again, so that we could be forgiven. And since he has forgiven us, we must forgive others. We must forgive ourselves, first we're going to talk about. We must forgive ourselves. Sometimes that's the hardest thing to do, is forgive me. Even though Christ took on sin, he took all the sin of the world, God did, and placed it on Christ, on Jesus, and took his righteousness and placed it on us. That sin is gone forever. Get this today. That sin that you committed, that you were guilty of, that we all committed, and that we were all guilty of, it's gone forever. The Bible says, it's cast as far as the east is from the west. Some of you have heard me say this before, but some of you may not. You know why he used east to the west, I believe, instead of the north and south? Because if you look at a globe and you take off flying, if you get in a big old jet airliner and you get going flying north, pretty soon you're going to head over the North Pole and you're going to be going south. It changes. But by him saying east to the west, if you take off flying east, you're never going to quit flying east. You can go around and around the planet. It's infinite. It's infinite. That sin will never be charged to you again, ever be charged to you again. Jesus made you good enough. Jesus made me good enough that we can forgive ourselves. Don't you think when we don't forgive ourselves, <clears throat> excuse me, even though he forgives us and casts that far as the east as the west, when we don't forgive ourselves, don't you think that's kind of a slap in the face to Jesus? Yeah. Yeah. Saying what you did, Jesus, wasn't really good enough for me to be good enough to come boldly to the throne room of God, for me to forgive myself when it is. We're forgiven. We are good enough. Not that we don't have to strive to be better all the time. I'm talking about our past sin as a race. Now we have to strive to live that down in the future. We have to continue to repent each and every day. Ask him for forgiveness and continue to turn away from what we know is wrong. Too often, though, we see ourselves as a bad parent, right? We see ourselves as a bad spouse, a bad husband, a bad wife. We see ourselves as an alcoholic. We see ourselves as as an addict. Even though we've already repented those things and he put them in my past. Never to be charged. Now, people around you might charge you, charge them to you again. People around them might remember them and bring them to your remembrance and even tell other people about, about your past. But God will never tell you again. And if they're judging you, they're in the wrong. So God will never talk about those things again. In fact, the, the devil will come and try to charge you those things, and he'll say, oh, no. Oh, no, I don't remember those things against him. I don't remember those things against her anymore. So we look at ourselves in those lights, though, as a bad parent, a bad spouse, an alcoholic, an addict. You fill in the blank, whatever your familiar sin is, and we think, well, that affected myself, that affected my life, and that affected others' lives. So somehow, if I hold on to that, it'll make it better. 
right? Somehow, if I hold on to this unforgiveness of myself, I can fix it. It'll keep it maybe from getting on other people anymore. Maybe I'm just not good enough to go to God because I have all these things on me, even though he's already forgiven me and he's already forgot about it. He has an ability to forget about it. Do you get that? He's not like us. I've forgiven people. I've had a hard time, struggled forgiving people before, and I was able to forgive them with God's help, but I still haven't forgot about it. God actually says he forgets about it. He forgets about those sins, never charged to us again. So somehow we can pay for this offense when it's already been paid for. You getting this? It's already been paid for. And the enemy, he'll help you out with this. He'll help you out with this and say, you're not good enough to go there. You're not good enough to teach that class. You're not good enough to do anything in the church. You're not, you know those people down there don't like you anyway. They know what you did before. You know they're talking about you anyway. Right? Anybody heard the enemy tell you that kind of stuff? They didn't invite you to that thing because they didn't want you there. Right? Even though it was just a mistake that was overlooked or maybe it was announced the night you weren't here. The day you weren't here, we announced it, right? So, so the enemy will jump right on and he'll kick you and he'll help you out with making yourself not feel like you're good enough. He'll do this and he'll send people along to say things to you to make you feel like you're not good enough, right? You can never pay for it though. It's already been paid for. It's paid in full. All we have to do is receive it. Receive it. We all, sorry about that. We, that probably sounds really good in the podcast. We also must forgive others. We have to forgive others, whether they've hurt us personally. Some, all of us have been personally hurt before, right? Raise your hand if no one's ever offended you, ever hurt you physically. Never. Had ne- everybody, everybody's been hurt physically or mentally before. Whether it was with actions, whether, whether, you, were, whether you were beat or, or whatever the physical thing is you are, or it could be mentally, whether you were talked down to, whether you were cussed, whether you all know the things I'm talking about, right? You could have been hurt in that way, or you could have been hurt financially. You got to forgive. The Bible says, forgive us our trespasses and we forgive others. That's in the Lord's Prayer. When Jesus said, if you don't know how to pray, pray like this. Pray that God will forgive us while we forgive others, right? Inside the church, in our families, people that were around, friends, coworkers, whatever it may be, someone you run into at the park, whatever it may be. If they owe you something, let it go. They don't know you anymore. That's hard to do sometimes, right? When somebody's borrowed you something or somebody's cheated you out of something, maybe somebody stole from you. Right? And you know who it is. Maybe they've even told you they'll pay you back, but they never have. So every time you see them with something new, something rises up inside of you and you're mad about it. Right? I guess that's speaking to some people on the front row anyway, because they're giggling. That's happened to me before. Somebody owes you money and they show up with a, with a new pair of shoes or a new car, or a new hat or something. I know they paid 30 bucks for that hat and they ain't got the money to pay me back. Let it go. Let it go. The Bible says forgive those debts. Forgive those debts. Forgive those trespasses. If they've stolen from you, it says if a man steals your cloak, don't even ask for it back. Don't even ask him for it back. Let him have it. Give him something else along with that. Don't even ask him for it back. Matthew 18, 21 through 35. Now, this is a lot of reading, and I'm not a good reader, so bear with me. We're going to read straight through it today, okay, sis? Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? That's the question he's asking. Should I forgive him seven times? Now, it was a custom in that day to forgive someone three times, right? But he was saying up to seven times because seven is God's number. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. What is 70 times seven? 
490. 490 a day, daily. If you're going to forgive 490 times a day, wouldn't you say say that's infinite? Are you supposed to count out 490 times a day? No, they're supposed to come back and ask you for forgiveness things, but you're not supposed to count out 490 times a day. That just means it's never-ending. You never stop. You continually forgive. Now, that doesn't mean you have to be a doormat. doesn't mean you have to let people run over the top of you and take advantage of you all the time, right? Are you following me? But if, if it's your brother or your sister or someone and they're asking you forgiveness, then you have to forgive them. Infinitely, infinitely. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. Come on, sis. <clears throat> and when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. This was a massive amount of money, amount of money that he would have never been able to pay back. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be put or that he be sold with his wife and his children and that all he had and that at the payment be made. Picture that right there. They're going to sell off him, his wife, his kids, everybody, just so he can get this money back. That's a pretty serious consequence they had in the day. The servant therefore fell down before him saying, Master, have patience with me and I will pay you all. <coughs> then the masters of the servant, or then the master of the servant was moved with compassion. Compassion. You have to have a compassion to have forgiveness, right? You have to be humbled sometimes to have forgiveness. Release him and or released him and forgave him the debt. He didn't even owe it anymore. Not that he was giving him time to pay. He didn't even owe the king anymore. Right? He forgave the debt completely. This is a parable. He's talking about God. You'll catch on here in a little bit. He's talking about God and us. God forgave our debt. Jesus paid for our debt on the cross. But the servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, somebody else in the church, right? Went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, which was much, much less money than he owed the king, Right? And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, pay me what you owe me. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and began and, and begged him, saying, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Same thing he said to the king, right? right? Forgive me. And he would not, but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servant saw, saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that, he, that had been done. So they went back to God and told him, right? God already knows, though. They had to go back and tell this king. Then his master, after he called him, said to him, You wicked servant, for I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servants, just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. The torturers would have been prison, right? So my heavenly father also will do to you if you from his heart uh, does not forgive his brother his trespasses. He's talking about God and he's talking about us. He's talking about how we should treat other people and how we should forgive other people of debts. This time it's talking about a monetary debt. Maybe it's something mentally they did to you. Maybe they said something bad to you. Maybe you heard them talking about you. I can understand why you're offended. They don't, they don't deserve to be forgiven. Did you deserve to be forgiven when Jesus died on that cross? No. We have to look more like him. I didn't deserve to be forgiven when he died on that cross. From this parable, though, we can see that God hates it when we don't forgive. And he won't forgive us. 
You see, he had already forgiven this servant, but when he didn't forgive his fellow servant, then he went back on what he said he would do and put him in prison. There's punishment if you don't forgive. Would you say that's true by by this parable? There's punishment if you don't forgive. God will punish you. God will punish me if I don't forgive. How do you know you're harboring unforgiveness? How do you know? Because you might think you forgot, you've forgiven somebody. And I've been through this before, and I've told you all this story many times before. Some of the story, but I'm not going to go into detail on that today, though. But but you don't want to be around that person. If you haven't forgiven them, you don't want to be around them. The mention of their name makes you cringe. You don't want to talk about them, really? You want to talk about them, right? Most of the time we want to talk about them, but it's not in a good way. You hear of their misfortune, you think, well, good for them. I'm glad they got what they deserved. Ask yourself, though, what did you deserve? What did I deserve that Jesus paid for? When you talk about them, you replay the story and how they hurt you because you want the people that that hear your story, you want them to dislike this person just as much as you dislike them. Right? Sound familiar? Still some heads bobbing. Some of you are getting a little quieter. Sounds real familiar to me. You want them to hate them as much as you do, though. We tend to tell those stories a lot. Right? When someone hurts us, we tell that story a lot. When someone, when you hear somebody talking about you in the church and you hurt them, how many people do you tell? Oh, here's where it gets quiet at. (laughs) Here's where it gets quiet at. If it happens in your family, how many people do you tell? If it happens in public, you tell everybody you know about it. Then you're sowing discord among the brethren when it happens in church. What's the two things in the Bible God says an abomination unto him? Homosexuality and sowing discord among the brethren. It's like a cancer inside the church that spreads because you tell two people and they tell two people. Now you got a bunch of people knowing and they tell a couple people. Pretty soon it gets back to the pastor. I hear all your all's business. Stop it. I don't want to hear that junk. We don't need that in here. When people come to me and start to tell me gossip about somebody else, I tell them I don't want to hear it. Keep that to yourself. What you're doing when you do that, you're, causing, you're, you're wanting that person to dislike this person as much as you do because of what they did. I'm, just, I'm talking about the church right now, but you can apply this to every area of your life. Your coworkers, everywhere you go, your kids, your mom and dad, right? right. So what you're doing is you're forming their opinion of this person before maybe they ever even met the person. So now you've got 10 people that you've told about it that don't like TJ sitting over in the front row. Right. Not necessarily TJ, I'm just using him today. They don't like Caleb over here sitting in the front row because you've said something bad about him. And now this whole half of the church and a couple people in the back know what Caleb did to you. Right? right? And Caleb may not even know what he did to you. And you're holding this grudge and the whole time all you're hurting is you. Because Caleb don't care. He's going on about his life. Didn't mean to embarrass you, son. He's going on about his business, though, and, and he's got his walk with God, and he's doing what he needs to do, and he may not even know you're mad at him. But all the rest of the church does. But nobody wants to go confront him and tell him about it. You just want to talk to everybody else about him. That sound familiar? Instead, we have to forgive. Go to that person and tell them. What, we're going to get that in a little bit. Go to that person, though, and tell them what they've done wrong to you. Maybe take a witness. Come to your pastor if you need to. It's not wrong to come to the pastor and talk to him about something that's happened. If it's affecting you, what's wrong is if you tell other people and then you go to the pastor or you tell other people and then they come to the pastor. Are you following me? We hear all kinds of stuff. I'm just saying. So just know that when you're saying it, it's probably going to get back. Right. Anyway, that's just the, that's just me being real today. <laughs> the Bible teaches us 
that we're his ambassadors. Ambassadors are representatives, right? We're his representative. We represent God here on this earth. So his love that Christ had when he went and paid for our sins on the cross should show through me, should show through you. Since we serve God who forgives, we serve a God who forgives, even though we didn't deserve it, it's only by his grace, his unmerited favor. You didn't do one single thing to deserve him dying on that cross for you. I didn't do one single thing to deserve him dying on the cross, but he did it because he loves us. Since we serve him and we're his ambassadors and we're supposed to look like him, shouldn't we love others? Shouldn't his love shine through us into the world? His love should shine through me. Before I was saved, I didn't know how to treat my wife. I didn't know how to treat my kids. I didn't know how to do a lot of things right, Brent. Because I grew up in a house that, that was mixed up. My parents weren't always Christians. My mom was when I got about four, but there was things that happened. And it's generational things that are passed down from, his, from, from my dad to his dad to his dad. Who knows how long? Yeah. Are you following me? Yeah. Who knows how long these things have been passed down? So I didn't know how to treat my family because my dad didn't know how to treat his family and his dad didn't know how to treat his family. Are you following me? I didn't know how to be a man. But it's through that love of God shining through your life. Are you following me? My dad told me he was lucky his dad died when he was five or he'd probably be dead. He probably wouldn't have made it. Are you following me? And I'm not making fun of those men at all. They didn't know what's in this book. They didn't learn what I learned. The love of God, though, comes into my life and can shine through to my wife. And now I know how to treat my wife because of that love that comes from him. Men and women, you need God. God has to be the first, very first priority in your life. You can't have another relationship. You can go out and dabble in relationships, young people. Maybe old people alike. You can dabble in relationships and you can do this and do that. Tell me how it's working out for you. How is it working? It's not working out. So you have the love of God shining through your life to a spouse. Not a boyfriend or girlfriend. Not even supposed to get into this today, but here it is. Here it is right here. We have a man at work. I'm not going to get to that. <laughs> I can't say too much. I'm on a podcast now. I forgot. <laughs> People hear me outside of who's here. So, so the definition of fornication, right, is sex with anybody outside of your husband or your wife. So you should be married to be biblical. Yeah. Fornication is a sin, the Bible teaches. If you're having sex with anybody outside of your husband or your wife, not somebody else's husband or wife, that's a whole other sin altogether, right? That's adultery. But fornication is that. So, so you need that love of God to have a spouse to shine through you to your spouse. Should be God, your spouse, then your children. Are you following? You need it to shine through you to your spouse, to your children. To teach your children how to love, they see how you love your wife or your husband, teaches them how to love, then they take that on to the next generation. Are you following me? This is how bad we need the love of God, and he's already given it to us. Everything's already paid for. All you got to do is receive it today. Receive it today and stay on that path. Drugs, alcohol, perversion aren't the answer. The answer is right here in this book. It's right here in this book. I'm gotten way off my path. I'm not even talking about forgiveness, but, but that was good anyway. <laughs> so we must, so, so since we serve a God who forgives, even though we didn't deserve it, it was through his grace and his unmerited favor, we must forgive an undeserving world. You can say, Pastor, they don't deserve it. They don't deserve my forgiveness. You don't deserve to carry it around. You've been forgiven by an almighty God. Forgive yourself, forgive others. They may not deserve your forgiveness. You don't honor people because they're honorable. You honor them because you're honorable. 
Because of God, because that love that shines through you. We must forgive an undeserving world. It hurts us when we don't forgive. It hurts you. Just like I said earlier, it doesn't hurt Caleb. It hurts you. The people that you're mad at don't care anyway. Our relationships with our spouse, it affects our relationships with our spouse, our children, our parents maybe, the church. It affects every relationship when you don't forgive. It hurts us physically. It hurts you physically when you don't forgive. The effects of anger, bitterness, and stress are all caused by unforgiveness. And those things will cause your blood pressure to raise. It's a fact. It's a fact. I used to see my dad get mad and his face would turn beet red. Veins pop out in his forehead. You follow me? It'll cause your blood pressure to raise. It'll lead to depression. It'll cause you to, it'll spiritually spoil your praise. You won't be able to praise God right when you have unforgiveness in your heart for somebody else. Right? It'll eat you up from inside. Socially, it'll cause you to be unpleasant. People don't want to be around you when you're socially unpleasant. When you're angry and bitter all the time and you're stressed out because of your unforgiveness, people don't want to hear that junk. Right? A few of them might want to hear it at first. A few of them will feed on it. But they don't want to be around somebody who's miserable and upset all the time. Socially, it causes you to be unpleasant. There was a teacher, Brenda told me this story when I, was, when I was preparing for this. There was a teacher that did a study about unforgiveness. So she had a bunch of potatoes. She had a 100-pound bag of potatoes she brought in and dumped out on, on a cabinet. And she gave all the kids a plastic bag. I can picture this like a Walmart sack or something. So she said, these were big old Idaho potatoes, right? She said, take a potato out of this pile here and put it in your bag for each person you're mad at. Each person you haven't forgiven. So they begin to put... One in there for Johnny because he, he spit on my shoe and, and one in there for my dad because he didn't talk to me right and, and one in there for my girlfriend because she was flirting with another boy and whatever it may be. They put all these potatoes in this bag. Now, their assignment was once they got the potatoes in this bag, they had to carry it with them everywhere they went. When they went to bed, set it by the bedside. When you go to the bathroom, you take it to the bathroom with you. Everywhere you go, you're going to carry this sack of potatoes with you, right? This is your sack of potatoes, it's yours. You have a right to carry it around. So you carry it everywhere you go. When you go to breakfast, you sit on the table next to you. When you go to class, you take it with you there. It weighed them down. Yeah. Other kids at school were running up and down the steps, but they had this plastic bag full of potatoes, 10 pounds of potatoes. Can you, picture, can you imagine carrying 50, or 10 pounds around? Take a 10-pound dumbbell. You can't run up the steps as fast as you could without it. So this unforgiveness held them back. But pretty soon, this unforgiveness started to rot. Started to rot on them. Began to stink. Right? Are you following me? Can you picture this? I thought that was a good demonstration right there. They said, this is my bag, though. I deserve to carry it. And they'd throw it over their shoulder and go everywhere they went to. All the time, it was weighing them down. Didn't hurt the people that they were mad at, that they put the potatoes in there for in the first place. Right? Forgiveness puts the wrongdoer in God's hands. It's not up to you to pay him back. It's up to God. You're not the judge. Everybody, every man, woman, boy, and girl, as sure as you live, as sure as you're breathing air, you will stand in front of God. And when you forgive them, that lets God forgive you. Even if you ask them for forgiveness, if they're bad at you and you ask for forgiveness and they don't forgive you, that's on them then. They didn't receive it. You've asked for that forgiveness. It takes them out of your hands, though, and puts them in God's hands. We've all had hurtful experiences. We've already agreed on that. No matter how bad, y'all listen to this part, no matter how bad your hurtful experience was, it doesn't compare to what happened to Jesus and how, how Jesus was wrong. Jesus was perfect, but he took our sins and put it on him and put his righteousness on us. So it doesn't compare. And when Jesus was on that cross, what did he say? He said, Father, he prayed, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do, even though, he was kill, even though they were killing him. Yeah. 
You've never been persecuted like that, I guarantee you. And we can't forgive. Toby Mack said once, don't let what's been done to you become bigger what's, don't let what's been done to you become bigger than what he did for you. I thought that was really good. Don't let what's been done to you be bigger than what he did for you. Unfortunately, forgiveness is often the last thing that we want to do, though. Just like those kids with those potato sacks, we want to hold on to that unforgiveness. The last thing we want to do is, is set it down. So forgiveness is a choice. Forgiveness is the act of consciously deciding to let go of, of resentment and vengeance towards someone who has wronged you. Are you ready to make that conscious decision today? Yes. Right? Whether they deserve it or not, doesn't mean you forget it. It doesn't mean you condone the wrongdoing. It doesn't mean those things. I was wronged pretty bad before, and I had a very hard time forgiving the, the, the people that, that wronged me. I had to, actually, God had to take it away from me. I tried to forgive, and, and I noticed that every time the topic came up, I'd get mad. And I'd want to tell the story again. I'd tell the story to whoever I could tell it to, because I wanted them not to like that just like I did it. I wanted them to know how I was wrong. I know how this person would, or however, how, what I felt would stab you in the back. I wanted them to know. I wanted everybody to know, just like I talked to you earlier, just like some of, all of us do. So uh, whether they deserve it or not, I, I had to forgive. And my pastor preached a message one time kind of like this one about forgiveness. And I realized I had to forgive. And I started trying to forgive, and I wanted to forgive, and I said I was going to forgive. And even when I thought I'd forgive, when the topic would come up, I'd get mad again. I'd be upset again. Some of y'all been here before, right? Yeah. All of y'all have probably been here before. Some of you are sitting here right now. So what I had to do was I had to go to God and say, God, I don't know how to do this. I want to forgive them. I've tried to forgive them. But I just can't do it on my own. And I prayed that for a while. And it didn't go away right away. It took some time. And I, didn't even, I don't even know when it happened. How it happened for me was the topic came up. And it, it did it two or three times before I realized that I wasn't upset anymore. I wasn't mad anymore. God had taken that out of my heart, and I, I had truly forgiven him. Amen. Are you following me? Yeah. Some of us need to ask God today to help us with forgiveness. We've got to get past it, whoever it is, whether it's your kids, your, your grandparents, your, your parents, a, a friend, a spouse, whatever it is, someone in the church. We've got to ask forgiveness today. We've got to ask God to help us to forgive them. Forgiveness is a choice, though. Whether they deserve it or not. The story of Joseph, Joseph with the coat of many colors. Y'all know the story, right? I got three minutes to get the rest of this done. Probably not going to happen anyway, sister. <laughs> so I was worried that I wasn't going to have enough content to fill my time today, but now we're going to go in overtime. But however, Joseph with the coat of many colors, y'all heard the story, right? He had that coat because he was a favorite of his father. He had multiple brothers. He had many older brothers, but he was the youngest and he was his daddy's favorite, right? So they were out one day, 10 of their flocks, and, and they decided that they were going to kill Joseph. They were going to throw Joseph in a pit and leave him there for dead. They were going to take a, a dead animal and they were going to kill it, or they were going to kill an animal and they were going to wipe the blood on his coat, take it back to the dad and say, we don't know what happened to him. A wild animal must have got him. A wild beast must have got him. Y'all know the story? A lot of you do. Some of you may not. So we got to go on with it. We, we get to go on with it. So uh, one of the brothers said, let's don't kill him. Let's sell him off. They saw some, they saw some people go, go into uh, Egypt, and they decided they were going to sell him so we can get a little money out of this, and his blood won't be on our hands. But we can still take his coat and put blood on it and take it back to our father and tell him that he's dead. 
And we don't know what happened to him. So that's what they did. Joseph went, went there. He, he found favor. Um, he lived in Potiphar's house, which is a high-ranking official. He lived in Potiphar's house, and he had favor in Potiphar's house. He ran Potiphar's whole house, right? The only thing that was off limits to Joseph was Potiphar's wife. Everything else belonged to Joseph. Are you following me? Potiphar's wife, though, Joseph must have been a good-looking young man because Potiphar's wife kept making passes at him, and Joseph declined. One day, he, she got close enough, and she ripped off, basically, she ripped off his shirt, and she went to the king. He, he, he denied her again, and, and the king, she went to, the king, or to, to Potiphar and said, look what your servant's done to me. He tried to rape me. She lied on him. She lied on him. He went to prison for that. Joseph was in prison for somewhere, best I can figure, from what I studied, is between 15 and 20 years. 15, 20 years he did for trying to rape this woman that he didn't do that lied on him. He had every reason to be resentful, right? He had every reason to be mad. Through, through, through all this, Joseph found favor in prison. He didn't hold on to these things. If he'd held resentment and, and, and all these things, he wouldn't have found favor like he found because he forgave. Are you following me? He forgave in prison. He ran the prison when he got there. Then through a chain of events, uh, interpreting a dream and things, Joseph got out of prison and went, to the, uh, went and lived... He didn't live with the Pharaoh, but he worked for the Pharaoh. He became second in charge to only the Pharaoh himself. Only the king of Egypt was ahead of jo- was above Joseph, right? He was in charge of everything. So there were seven years of famine in the land. His dad sent his brothers, get this, his family and his brothers and all their family, the dads, all their wives, all these people are still, still living in their land. Joseph's living in Egypt. So Egypt had food because Joseph had favor. Are you following me? There were seven years of feast before seven years of famine. So Egypt had food. I'm skipping a lot of stuff here. You have to go back and read it if you want to. It's in Genesis 40, chapter 44 and 45. Go back and read the story if you'd like. However, Joseph had favor. So the dad sent the brothers to buy food from Egypt. Are you following me so far? When they got there, they didn't recognize Joseph, but Joseph recognized them. And he began to cry because of the emotions that came out then. Are you following me? And Joseph had the power to have them killed. You get this? He could have had their heads cut off that day. But instead, he sent all the Egyptians away from him, so no one knew. He kept the offense private. Think about that. He kept the offense private. He didn't go tell half the other Egyptians. So they thought bad of his brothers. He kept it private. Kept it between him and them. And he said, I'm your brother. He introduced himself and told them who he was. He kept the circle of confession in the circle of offense. He kept it private. He could have had him killed. If he hadn't forgiven, his whole family could have been dead. Because if his brothers didn't come back with food, his dad and all of his other siblings and everything, all, all the other ones would, would have been dead also. What, what they meant for bad, God meant for good. Joseph could have chosen to look at what they meant for bad, but instead he chose what God meant for good. He, he looked at it as what God meant for the good. He used, God used Joseph to save his whole family, Right? Joseph didn't remind them of their offense. He released them from their worry. They were worried when they realized he was the man in charge. He was the top man in charge right underneath the Pharaoh. They were afraid he was going to kill them. In fact, he gave them the food and put the, had them put the gold back in the bags, and they still thought that he was going to kill them. They thought it was a trick. They eventually brought the dad back, and they said, you'll have to read the rest of the story. But he didn't replay that. He didn't replay his emotions all the time. He didn't continue to tell that story continuously, like we talked about earlier. Joseph didn't do that. He kept it private. <clears throat> he chose to remember it differently. They did him wrong, but God did him right. So he just remembered what God did for him. God has a plan. God had a plan for Joseph, and God has a plan for your life. 
God used Joseph to save his whole family. What's he going to use you to do? You're not here by some chance. It's not an accident you're here. You're not just here because Joe Blow invited you. Right? You're here because God has a plan. And you're right in the palm of his hand. Will you play into his plan today or will you run? Forgiveness is just one of the keys. That's what we're talking about today. God had a plan and he still has a plan. Jesus paid the price. He will return like a thief in the night. Brenda accused me of stealing her leg pillow last night. We each have a leg pillow. Hers is just older and it's more mushy and it's a little more comfortable. But she, she woke up this morning and said, where's my pillow? And it was over on the other side of me somehow. I don't know how she got it over there. But <laughs> I don't know how she got it over there. But she said, you're like a thief in the night. And that just hit me right in the head. That's how Jesus is going to come back. Like a thief in the night. And you can choose to continue to carry around that sack of potatoes. Or you can lay them down and forgive. And by forgiving, you can receive that forgiveness from God. We don't know when he's coming. It says, it says no man knows the day or time. It says in the twinkling of an eye. In the twinkling of an eye. So I would like to ask you today, if you're ready for Jesus to come back, that's one question. I'm going to get back to that one, though. I would like to ask you first off, if I've offended anybody in the church, I didn't mean to, and I'm sorry. Would you take my apology and, and forgive me? And if you've offended anybody in the church, if you know or if you don't know, if you know you offended somebody after church today, go to them, hug them if you need to, shake their hand, whatever it takes, get it right. The Bible says that if you have an offering and you're taking it to God and you realize that your brother has ought against you, see how that's worded? It doesn't even say that you have ought against your brother. It says your brother has ought against you. If you realize that your brother's mad at you, leave your gift right there at the altar, go back and make it right with your brother, and then come back and give your gift. So even if you know if someone else is mad at you and you have nothing to do with it, even if you really don't care, you should. Go back and ask them for forgiveness. We cannot get it to happen. We cannot let this happen in our church, right? We haven't had much of this in this church, and we're not going to go on having any of this in this church because that's why we're growing. When other churches are on the decline, other churches are shutting their doors. We opened up here with no money, a building in bad disrepair. Not we, not we. uh, I'm talking about God. And we, it's all of us. We're all one church body. You're as responsible for it as I am. But the reason that we're still growing is because we haven't had all this junk in our church. It's because we have been trying to find the keys. We don't have all the keys yet, but we're working on it. We're trying to get all the keys that it takes to to live a righteous, upstanding life. Unforgiveness is just one of them. So I would ask you today, if I've offended you in any way, please forgive me. I'll tell you personally if you let me know what it is. I don't know that I have anything out there, but I just want to say that. The second thing is, he's going to come like a thief in the night. Can I get everybody about it this time? Are you ready? Are you ready? If he was to come back like right now, or right now, or right now, do you realize how fast the twinkling of an eye is? There's not going to be no opportunity to say, Father, forgive me. That's not going to be there. It's going to be, bam, from sitting here in time to eternity, just like that, that quick. Are you ready today? Are you ready today? Are you harboring unforgiveness? Maybe there's some other sin you need to ask for forgiveness for. I'm not the judge. I'm not here to judge you. If you're not ready today, if you don't know beyond a shadow of a doubt, 100%, 
I'm not talking about 99.5%. I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm going to go to heaven. I'm fairly sure I'm going to go to heaven. I believe we're living in the last of the last days. I believe that we should be living 100% ready to go to heaven. Are you following me? If you're not ready today, could you come to the altar? Come to the altar today and make it right with God. Any takers? I hope that that means that we're all saved. I hope that means that we're all 100% sure. 100% sure. I'll go a little further with you. Could I see your hand if you're not 100% sure? Thank you. A couple hands, three hands. Thank you. I'm not going to call you out today. Four hands. Anybody else? 100%. This is nothing to gamble with. You're not just going to lose your paycheck. You're not just going to lose a house. You're not even just going to lose your life. We're talking about eternity, never ending. Would there be one more person raise their hand and say, Preacher, I'd like to go to heaven. I'd like to make for sure that I'm 100% ready. Thank you for the hand. Thank you. All right, church. Thank you for the hands. Hands all over the place. Can we pray together, church? Just repeat after me if you would. You can pray it your own way if you've already been saved and you know what you need to do. You can pray in your own way, but I'll lead you in case that you're not sure what to say. Just repeat after me if you would. Father, I'm a sinner. Please forgive me. I know that your son Jesus died on a cross for my sin. I know that it's a free gift from you. And I want to receive that gift today. In Jesus' name. Lord, please live in my heart. Lead me and guide me the rest of my days. In Jesus' name I pray this. Amen. Now, if you said that prayer and you meant it today, you're saved. That's all the Bible says we got to do, right? We have to believe that and say it, meaning it. But that saves you from what you did in the past. That's wiped out. Now you got to live from here forward, right? Because we're all going to mess up sometime or another. We're not trying to. To repent means you turn away from it. For him to know what to do good and do it not, to him it is sin. So if you know better than doing something and you do it, stop it. Don't do it all the time. I mean, I'm not saying you can even do it sometimes, but, but there's a difference in making a mistake and blatantly doing something, right. right? If I bump into you, that's different than if I try to run over you. Right. Are you following me? Yes. So we have to do our best to repent from the things that we, knew, that, that, that we know are wrong. If you just got saved today for the first time, you should tell somebody about it. Yeah. Tell, even if you got saved for the 14th time, right. tell somebody about it. I made a new commitment in my life today. I'm not making light of this. I made a new commitment in my life today, and I intend to stick with this commitment and get you a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, I have a Bible for you in my office, one that's easy to read. It's a voice translation, right? Get you a Bible. Read that Bible. Spend some time praying. It doesn't have to be any big formal thing. Talk to God like he's a friend. Respectfully talk to God. And then if you be quiet, that little still small voice inside of you, he'll speak back, right? It's critical. It's critical that you do this. And if you made that commitment today, get in a church and get involved in it. Don't just come and warm the seats. Come to this church if you feel, if you feel led to this church. You should, you should pick a church by where God leads you to. But if you feel led to this church, you should be here every service. We should not see you miss unless you're in the hospital or something seriously bad. If you're running a fever, you're going to give us something. Don't be here. Amen. You follow me? Amen. But you should be in church continuously. The Bible says fail not to assemble yourselves. That's the truth. Now you know that God just said, fail not to assemble yourself, so now that if you don't do it, it's a sin. Because you know better, right? 
<laughs> anyway, we could go ahead and close in prayer. We're going to have a meeting right after church. It's our missional meeting. So if, if you want to help with the church, stay. Father, we thank you for this day, Lord. We thank you for your infallible word, Lord. We thank you for the forgiveness that you've given to us, Lord. We thank you for these things, Daddy. We pray that we keep us safe, Lord. Keep us safe spiritually, physically, Lord. Mentally, Lord. Keep us safe financially, Father God. Lord, I pray that you would just bless everything that we put our hands to, Father. And I pray that you would light a fire inside this church, Lord, to, to, to cause bonds to grow back, Lord, where they maybe have not been before, Lord, because of, of offense, Lord, of unforgiveness, Daddy. And Lord, I pray that you would cause us to invite someone in, Lord. Show us people saved from our families, Lord, maybe our parents or our, our, our siblings, Father God, our, our own children, maybe even. Show us them saved, Father God, because we're obedient to you, Lord, through our acts of obedience, Father. In Jesus' name, we pray these things, Daddy. Amen. Amen.